0: Canto 20 of the Paradise begins as the eagle falls silent, having spoken so much so profoundly through Canto 19. And what really comes across, I think, in this Canto is the crucial importance of the desire and the openness to see more and more of divine life. This is really the central message now of the heaven of Jupiter, that order is not just what seems settled, what seems immediate, what seems true. Quite the opposite. It's a dynamic ordering that constantly draws you more and more into the depths and profundity of God. And it's the capacity to be open to that dynamic which takes you to the heaven of Jupiter and beyond. Dante opens the canto with a couple of powerful images that express something of that he says that as the eagle fell silent it was a bit like the transition from the daylight to the night time and that transition isn't really from light to darkness it's a transition from one kind of light to another kind of light which is actually manifold beautiful constellations of light dancing across the night sky it's an opening onto more And then he says the eagle looked as if it was about to begin to speak again, as indeed it was. And as it began to ready itself to speak, Dante says it was like discovering a stream burbling through the woods, speaking of its source. So again, that sense of dynamic and motion and tracking something back and back and back in and in and in more and more and more to the source, which, of course, is the divine source. He says, even when it's lovely to be wrapped in the smiles of love, as he was experiencing there, it was still like a kind of music. And of course, music is music because it's dynamic, because it's moving, because it's the multiplication of sounds and notes and melodies and harmonies into a whole, but that can constantly be drilled into and understood more and more. That is very much what Dante is learning to see and enjoy and to ride here in the sphere of Jupiter. And then the eagle starts to speak. He knows what is still pressing on Dante's mind, which is this question of how those who didn't know of Christianity can be saved, this question of justice that really profoundly troubles Dante. And he's going to learn that it's right that it dropples him, because the literal, trite answer that those who don't know Christ can't be saved is actually going to turn out to be a misunderstanding of divine justice. It's by asking this question and leaving its literal answer, moving through a kind of tropological state where Dante's mind can open onto more, can have more revealed to it, that he gets the anagogic answer to this question, which is that Christ saves all, I think, because Christ at the anagogic understanding, at the divine understanding, at the understanding that is on the cusp of what we humans can grasp at all, is precisely the logos that runs through creation and which is the potential for more, is the potential for an ever further reaching incarnation, is the potential for more and more creation that knows no bounds. And so that dynamic, when understood properly, is precisely the dynamic which can bring more and more and more into the Christian fold. It's a Christianity beyond Christianity because Christ is so much more than the Christ as is often understood in the church. Christ is this love, which this big theme in the Divine Comedy, of course, Dante's move from the love that wants to possess, that wants to contain, that wants to have clear boundaries to hold off, um, the love which um, the Christ of the church is so often associated with. And instead, this is now the love that can carry, that can reach out, that when it is met by a desire for more, by a longing to be more open, by an expansiveness by porous boundaries that reach further and further out in great ripples and circumferences, embracing even the whole cosmos. That is the Christ that Dante is now beginning to see more clearly, and which is why the eagle in the previous canto, 19, has said it's only through Christ that people are saved. It's a kind of witty, um, paradoxical bit of dramatic irony. If you understand Christ properly, you'll understand that actually all potentially are saved because all, if they cultivate openness, desire and yearning, will be able to receive the reality that is the Christ reality, as Christianity would put it. So the eagle speaks again and it says to Dante, focus now on my eye. Now that's very significant because the eye of the eagle on earth was said to be able to stare into the sun, to look into the sun, to do that which few other mortal creatures could do. And so Dante is being invited to look at the part of the eagle that can see into this depth, that participates in this constant penetration into more and more divine sight. And what he sees is that the pupil of the eye is actually the dancing flame light of King David, Um, the writer of the Psalms, and the eagle says that David is there now because not just that he wrote the Psalms and is so very widely celebrated in that, you know, the Psalms that reach across the whole of human experience and more. David is actually here now because he realised that even his genius Psalms were only the first step towards understanding the fullest extent of divine life and realising that he'd taken a step but only a step towards being able to appreciate more that openness is the reason why he's now in the pupil of the eagle's eye. The eagle then says, look at my eyebrow. And what Dante sees there are five souls emerging. And they're all characterised in different ways, but with the same principle that their life on earth was recognised in their life on earth they recognised that what they did and didn't achieve was actually only a kind of commentary on a growing capacity to see more and more and more of life. If you like, their limitations were a threshold to being able to embrace a life that was beyond them as human beings, but was offered to them as the potential recipients of divine infinity of the more and more. The first figure that he sees in the eyebrow of the eagle is the Emperor Trajan who we've met in the earlier terraces of the Purgatory. Um, he was celebrated among the murals there um, that told the story of how he stopped the great columns of his army in order to respond to the request of a widow. And that seemingly modest action Dante now learns was enough to ready him for divine life. Um, The story goes that actually um, Pope Gregory prayed for Trajan's return to life after he died and that on returning to life Trajan had embraced Christianity and so dies now into the sphere of Jupiter. I think there's this deeper dynamic though going on in the myth, the anagogic element, which is that Trajan's action in stopping... Putting a halt literally to his military life for that one moment where he could attend to the widow was to open him to a different world from the one that he was used to and thought he was in command of to attend to this very different form of life in the widow. And that capacity to be open to more is precisely what's required for his salvation, in inverted commas, which is really his capacity to receive the divine life. That little moment made him capable of it so that when Gregory in his prayers recognised Trajan's openness, Trajan's justice, Trajan's capacity to look beyond just the immediate and into further aspects of society and Gregory prayed to God to recognise those qualities in Trajan, it was a sort of sign and sealing of Trajan's capacity to be saved um, and hence the myth grows up. And the next character that Dante sees in the eyebrow is the figure of King Hezekiah um, in the Old Testament. Again, and he's said to have lived quite a successful life as one of the Israelite kings, but now knowing so much more of the divine life. Again, that and now knowing his mortal life prepared him to know more. And the third figure that appears is Constantine, um, the Roman emperor who became a Christian. Um, dante hears the eagle say that constantine's move to byzantium leaving rome to the popes was done with good intentions and yet was a complete disaster Um, it's quite a powerful um, uh, condemnation of the church and the papacy there once again but it doesn't actually matter what happened on earth because it's the good intention of constantine the desire to be open to a new thing christianity to be open and ready to expand um, his vision of what he could do as a ruler Um, that capacity to re-envision something is the quality required to enable him to be here in the sphere of jupiter and so he's at the the high arch of the eagle's eyebrow dante sees and the fourth character that dante sees as the eyebrow starts to fall down the other side um, is a king of sicily william ii Um, thought to be a good king um, thought to be a king that tried to rectify the ills of his predecessor and again you get that sense of dynamic that rectification of things it wasn't that he was perfect and in fact because he wasn't perfect meant that he was conscious that he needed to do more that he needed to be better and that consciousness is what has brought him here now to heaven and then the fifth character that Dante sees at the other end of the eyebrow from Trajan the most surprising of all. Um, It's a very little known character, only mentioned by Virgil in Virgil's Aeneid amidst the Trojan Ripaeus. Um, We wouldn't really have known anything of this character if it wasn't for the fact that he's now a celebrated pagan in the high heavens of the Divine Comedy. Virgil remembers him as Ripaeus who was the Just Um, and it seems to be that little tag, that tiny mention that Dante's now leaping on now, I think to show what God will do to even the slightest openness to divine life. Um, Dante explains, um, Dante the poet explains to us, um, that Dante, the pilgrim, was shocked to see Repaius. Um It's good that he's shocked, because shock is the first step to being open to more. Um, he wasn't resisting or refusing that a minor pagan is here in heaven. He's surprised by it. He's at the threshold of understanding more. And the eagle explains to Dante the pilgrim that what happened with Rapaeus was that he was, in inverted commas, baptised before there was even baptism. That is this Christianity beyond Christianity. And uh, what actually um, helped him become capable of the high heavens, become capable of knowing divine life, was that he was filled with the three theological virtues particularly, of faith, of hope, and of love. And as we'd seen at the top of purgatory in the Garden of Eden, the point about the three virtues is that they're qualities that human beings can know and live by and embody, but they're also qualities which are known and embodied and live by in the cosmos as a whole. So I think what this implies is that although Repaeus was born and lived a thousand years before Christ, Um, is hardly remembered at all in earthly history. He resonated with these qualities of faith and hope and love and so died capable of the kingdom of heaven and so is now here in the kingdom of Jupiter. The eagle puts it straight to Dante. It says that the kingdom of heaven is prepared to suffer violence, meaning a violence to what human beings take to be God's will, who's in, who's out, and that Violence, in inverted commas, is done precisely by fervent hope, by desirous love. It's the it's the qualities, the capacities that you have that count when it comes to entering heaven. Not what you do or don't confess, not where you were or weren't born. It's your soul and the way that it harmonises with reality. This Christic, harmon- this, harm- this Christic harmony, this Christic reality, as the Christians would put it. But that's only to name what actually is available and dynamic, um, realising itself, incarnating itself throughout the cosmos um, in different parts of the world. And who knows, in other times and places on different planets as well. That is the expanse of the sphere of Jupiter that Dante is now being invited to see. And the canto draws to a close by bringing in another massive weighty subject, um, that of predestination. Um, The eagle calls out the word and says, look, you human beings, the point about predestination is precisely not to know, not because God wants to deliberately confound you, not because God wants to belittle you, not because God wants to write off human wisdom, but precisely because Human wisdom, insofar as it goes, can also recognise what it doesn't know. It can conjure the love and the longing to move more and more into the divine depths. And that is what the sphere of Jupiter is all about. Jupiter, the jovial, befriends different takes on order, different takes on justice, because it knows that those takes are just glimpses, reflections, refractions of divine justice, which goes right to the most intense, brilliant, dynamic and gorgeous light. And the canto ends with Trajan and Repaeus particularly glowing all the more, because as non-Christians, they perhaps know even more about that divine light than those who, born into Christian times, had sort of assumed that they might know what it's about already, kind of assumed their salvation. I think Dante is saying in this canto that, look, salvation is assured for all of creation, in fact. But what brings you more and more into that offer, into that gift, is realising that you can know some of it, that that some of it prepares you to become capable of knowing more and more and more of it, because it so profoundly stirs your desire and your longing